you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. This is a special episode all about managing your fears with Enneagram 6 and wife and pharmacist, Lindsay Palmer. I'm so excited to have not only sixes with us today, but everybody, because not only fear triad people have fears, everybody does. And today, Lindsay's going to give us some amazing information about how we can manage that. So I'm so excited to get to talk to you, Lindsay. How are things in Arizona? For the most part, okay. It's just way too hot. We've had a particularly brutal summer. So I I see fall around the corner and Mm -hmm. that gives me hope. (laughs) Exactly. You guys have been in the hundreds a lot like us here in Florida, right? Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a different kind of heat. It's not quite as steamy as as Mm -hmm. what you're um, experiencing there, but um, you know, brutal all the same. Yes. And I know that those of my clients who are saying they're hiking out there with you guys, they were like, oh, we are doing our sunrise and our sunset hike. So that was making me dream a little bit as a seven. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That'll work if you go at the right time of day. Oh, that's so cool. I love it out there. And I just had such warm feelings when I learned that was where you were from. But of course, we all want to hear from you being a six as we think about fears and how to deal with them in life and marriage, particularly during COVID. So I was going to ask you, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what it's like being a six in the medical field when you know, oh my gosh, things do go wrong sometimes. Right. So when I first started my career, um, I worked in a typical pharmacy setting. And honestly, I was paralyzed by fear, um, mostly fear of making a medication error and, and just really hurting somebody. So I would go home at night and just ruminate about this. It would keep me up at night and I would go through every prescription I had filled that day and trying to, you know, go through all the details of it to, to assure myself that I hadn't made any sort of mistake. But, you know, that was 11 years ago. I was like 27 years old and, and completely lacking in self-awareness and just not very healthy, you know, spiritually and emotionally. So looking back on it, it wasn't, it's not really any surprise to me now that that was my experience. But I would say now I, and I don't work in that setting anymore, being who I am, being a six, I still, of course, have plenty of underlying fears and things that I worry about. And now it's more of a a broader sense, like the bigger state of our healthcare system as we know it, and what kind of changes we make to better serve the people of this country, especially where chronic disease is concerned. And I think with this, this is where my five wing kind of shows up the most because I do a lot of investigating on what's wrong and what I can do to fix it and just building my knowledge base. And I think having that knowledge is what really helps to quell these anxieties, but also kind of propels me to keep doing work in that area. That's fascinating that you've allowed your five to balance you out and just seek the knowledge. And also I see such a stability in your life over the last, from what you shared, decade, because I think a lot of us in the thinking triad, we do grow a little bit more slowly in some ways because we're farthest from our feelings. It takes us a long time to sort things out. And I'm similar in that I didn't have as much growth in those late 20s years as I would like to think I did. (laughs) So I'm thankful that you're admitting that maybe from some of our 20-something listeners who may be ahead of us, but also some who might be right there like, I'm clueless. (laughs) So it's comforting that you do keep growing as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that period from when I finished school is right around the same time I got married to where I am now. And I've since had two young kids. It's just been the biggest period of growth of my life. And it was so hard, but I'm so thankful for it. So if 
you know, anyone out there who kind of feels like they're a little bit lost and struggling, just know it's, it's the hard stuff that gets you where you need to be and you will get there. <laughs> that is such a good reminder, especially today. I had a lot of people asking that questions. Will we ever get there? And I'm like, I don't know. But like, you know, the other part of me is like, absolutely. Yes. Because by that third decade of life, that's when we're often really finding this is not working for me. So clearly I have to do something else. And you had that too. So I was going to ask you, what's your favorite thing about about being a six and I know you're married to a nine so you can tell me yeah. a little bit about that too sure so um, you know as I'm sure you've experienced with other people who are similar being a six can it can almost be torturous like there's so much going on in my mind all the time but um, but to that end I think I think it works in my favor and and that it makes me like so ultra prepared for almost anything all the time you know whether we're going on vacation or whatever it is, I, I don't forget any details. I, you know, we never, we never in this house have ever, I don't think run out of like milk or toilet paper or toothpaste or anything we need on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I've got backups for my backups. So. <laughs> yeah, okay through the toilet paper crisis. Yeah, yeah, we sure were. We were already prepared for it. So yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was my uh, my constant need to establish that sense of I don't know security. I guess that I've mm -hmm. always feel like I've got a, a grip on keeping things organized and ready, and and our mornings are not chaotic because I already am you know three steps ahead of where we need to be. So that's mm -hmm. one of the good things. I think I don't want to go without mentioning courage. I think that being a sick allows me to be very courageous when I might not otherwise be. I think the need to create stability and security and working through a lot of anxieties propels me to do things that are out of my comfort zone where I think I've taken people by surprise because I don't just come off as like a brave, courageous person doing all these incredible things all the time. But I've made a lot of decisions that people might otherwise may have let themselves stay stuck in a crummy situation because that was easier where for me, it, it doesn't work like that. And I do things that make me nervous. I don't want to do because I know that it'll help me create some stability in my life. So I guess that was two answers to your question. <laughs> oh, I love that. Now I'm intrigued because I hear you really allowing even that seven side a little bit in too of I'm going to work through some fears, do the things I want to do and be really just extra. And I think a lot of sixes could say, no, 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 I have to stay small. I have to minimize. I have to troubleshoot and only the five wing. And I hear you really saying, no, no, I'm getting really healthy as a six and then really balancing those wings out. And you also have a relationship to three and nine, not only with your spouse being a nine, but you just are, it sounds like you're moving and grooving through your growth really well. And I love hearing that. What's something that you feel like you were courageous on in your life? And I know that that's totally so many little things like having kids. That's actually a big thing. But you know, like people don't always say that's courageous. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be some event you had sometime. What's one example when you could have turned the other direction, but you didn't? You know, the one that most recently comes to mind, and I already mentioned, you know, working in a typical pharmacy setting, I have to be honest that I never liked the traditional pharmacist role. And it's a whole nother story of how I got into that in the first mm -hmm. place. 
Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to get to the place where I am now or, or where, I, where I finally got to a year or two ago, but I just, I quit. I was, I quit mm-hmm. my job and I didn't have another plan. And I waited for years and years thinking, well, I'll think of something else to do. Well, maybe I'll try this or I can't, you know, but I can't make as much money doing anything else with a schedule that I can, you know, work around. I'm my husband who travels and I've got young kids and all these excuses forever. And then finally it was like, I've reached my limit and I'm done. I don't have a backup plan and I'm out of here. So uh, I think that took people by surprise, but it's one of those things. And, you know, I was worried I would regret it. You know, there's the money, there's the the purpose, the, all the things that come with having a job like that. Um, but I've, I've never regretted it. So that, that's the, the one that comes to mind of, you know, most recently with the biggest impact for me. My goodness, that is huge where you're like, I really care about people. And we can hear that when you tell us, I'm thinking, I love how you're like, I'm thinking now about security for others. I just love how you are saying over years, you've grown to love and help others, but you haven't forgotten yourself in the process. And that's taken a lot of courage to say, I'm not happy in something. And even if it was bringing me a sort or a type of security, it wasn't fulfilling. So I'm not going to keep doing that. That took a lot of courage. It did. And it took a long time to find that courage. So I don't want to, you know, pretend like I was like, well, boom, I'm, I'm better than this and I'm brave enough. So I'm going to do it. Like it, it, it took some growth, but yes, that's, yeah, that's kind of what happened. That's neat. And also as a six, sometimes when you do make courageous moves, I think you guys do it so well because you are ultimately so prepared. And we think of the six with the classic big purse on an airplane example I've heard before. Uh, Everything's in it. She's totally prepped. So even when you make big courageous moves, do you sometimes find you yourself using your six tools to get there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's... um... Yeah. And I think my five wing again plays into that too mm-hmm. with the fact gathering and, and everything to kind of make sure my bases are covered for when I jump. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it definitely is, is a big part of, of making those kinds of decisions. Oh, that's so cool. And I wonder if when you think back even about childhood, you can think, I see some six inklings even from those early years because I see that from my son who's a six and he will have such fear about jumping into a new soccer game or a an audition and he'll thrive because he's really working hard mentally to make this decision and he knows how much it will entail and as a six he wants to please his family because he's so loyal and he wants to do what he feels is authentic so I can tell that you guys can get stubborn in good ways, even as kids, like there's these things I don't want to do. And that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And probably that's you guys in your nine space. But then did you remember those times when you were a kid, when you were like, you know, I saw some of this then. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And when you were just kind of describing your son and the way he, you know, approaches his sports or it felt like that was me as a Mm -hmm. kid. And I'm like, what you wouldn't do to to go back then and part this sort of wisdom we have on the way that that kids like that are wired to give that to my parents or, you know, to just to Mm -hmm. like, you just realize how your family doesn't really quite understand that part about you. You just, I look back, I think back on myself as a child being like that and being kind of misunderstood because it is kind of a, a unique way to approach things as a child. And you just think of kids being 
kind of hyper and just diving into stuff and fearless and whatever. And I, I was the kid that laid awake at night, like worrying if I had done my homework right. right oh my right. gosh, he does that too. Yeah. That's so funny that you just said that. He just said that to me yesterday. He was like, literally, he goes, are you sure? Last year I did my homework okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so me. But yeah, I feel for him. I know. But like you're saying, you just, you love having this for your kids now. So that you can, of course, I call him my six-ish because he says crazy things like, I'm a six with a two wing or, you know, just funny things where you're like, you have no idea. But then he's also lately been like, I think I'm a seven. And I'm like, I actually do think he's a six. So I just let it be. But I also just love having the knowledge of, like you just said, it really resonated with you. So I'm like, okay, working hypothesis. This probably is a six. Here's what I can try. And then it usually works. And then he's healthier. And that's a win because we're not like labeling them, but we're still finding the tools. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. Yeah. And I think that's the way you got to do it. Like the, the labels don't help at all, but it's kind of just the... Um, kind of tiptoeing with the approach that you um, select based on the knowledge that you have and just kind of seeing how it goes and then using that for, for your next step and, um, you know, in guiding him and whatever it is. I, I, you know, I don't know anything about this as I'm not a professional trained in any sort of child development, but as a child who can relate to what you explain about your son, I just think that that is what a great way for him to, to be supported by you. Oh, thank you so much. And yours too. Are you already hypothesizing their types? I, yeah, I think so. I was once told that you're not supposed to type your own children, but it's hard not to, you know, when you're so, when you just love the Enneagram so much and it's done such a world of good in your own life. So I've got my, my oldest son just turned seven and I just got to believe he's a five. Like he'll get Mm. lost in this deep thought and he'll just blurt out this, you know, did you know about, you know, Minecraft or whatever it is he's loving that day? And he'll just read books for a long time, which is, you know, most seven-year-olds you think of as running around kicking a soccer ball. And he'd rather just, you know, mm-hmm. read his, his comic book, his Snoopy books or whatever. So, um, yeah, I just, I feel like he's such an investigator. Oh my goodness. I think that's a huge gift. And I really think we know our kids best. They know themselves even better but we know them really well. So I prefer parents to hypothesize about their kids as well as, like you said, not overly inference and push. And that can be just almost abusive if we can think about examples of people really shoving their kids in a box and overusing and exploiting with Enneagram. But these light, fun ways of going, oh my gosh, I see him using his five part of him. That's awesome because we all do want to have access of each type in our lives. Just like I always say, there's the fruits of the spirit. There's nine of them. And I recently did a post on that because I was like, let's be honest. We all want courage. We all want to be bold and powerful. We all want to be full of joy. And that is cool that you're like, but he is particularly investigative. And I love Mm -hmm. that about him. Yeah, totally. Mm, What a sweetie. And I definitely wanted to ask a little bit about marriage. I know everyone listening is thinking about your marriage a little bit too here. And you were saying you're married to a nine. That's right. Strong nine. It's (laughs) going to be more nine. Um, Well, I feel like just due to his upbringing or whatnot, he's, he's really been in a very healthy state um, when it comes to, you know, looking at the Enneagram since I've known him. So um, I honestly, there's, there's no other person that I really like and admire more than my husband. 
um, his patience and his generosity are just out of this world. It's like, I've never known anyone like that before. But I think back when, you know, those, those early pharmacy days when I was kind of struggling, I look back on that and I think that in that situation where the six is in a time of stress and the nine just wants to create a peaceful environment, you can maybe abusive is too strong of a word, but I feel like I was a little bit abusive in like depending on him to validate every decision I had to make and guide me through every single big event in my life. And I, and of course you want your partner to, to help you feel comfortable in those kinds of situations, but I just made it too much of his burden to bear. And I think as I um, got older, I was able to sort of draw those healthy boundaries and take responsibility for myself without needing to lean on him for every single thing. Um, so it's, a uh, you know, as it stands now though, every, it, it's so great being married to a nine. Um, he really just making me happy truly makes him happy and he's just such a genuine person. So I feel very lucky for that. Oh my gosh, that is beautiful that you've done that much growing and it's so honoring for you to say my nine really wasn't suited for that and he's super healthy, but that really goes counter to what a nine wants to do for somebody. And you owned it and said, hey, early marriage is like that. And I will actually agree with you that any of us who have a six wing or a relationship to six or some of the other types where we can do that, it really does leave a bad taste when we revisit our old memories. So maybe you're even caught in it right now and you're like, I don't want to admit it now, but later you might look back and say, wow, I wasn't as healthy as I am now. And that's encouraging to hear how you've grown and owned that, that that was just you growing. And there's not much we can do about it in that season sometimes, except for take that one brave, courageous step forward and keep trying to learn from mistakes. And you are probably watching him and saying, we're not flourishing when I demand like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. I completely agree. It's just... Yep, it's all about learning from from mistakes and just using that to to make yourself better. And it it takes a long time and persistence and lots of um, kind of owning your your mistakes and your insecurities to to evolve. And I'm not perfect, and there's still so much work to be done. But I think it's I've just come a really long way to be able to continue to do the work because it's it's going to be a lifelong thing, of course. Yeah, that's a great reminder too, because no one wants to be like, I've arrived, I'm perfect. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to be able to say that in a genuine way, but when people ask me that, I'm like, well, I'm still growing too, and I'm still learning every day, so I like hearing you say that. Like, this is some great knowledge, you really love the Enneagram, and you've learned so much, but you're also just growing as a person, like you said, developmentally, stage-wise, and you've been with your husband now for how long? A, a little over a decade, it sounds like. Right. Yeah. So I guess it'd be about 11, 11 and a half years now that we've been mm. married and we were together for you know a few years before that. So oh, that is so cool. And what do you think is particularly fun about your combo with the six and the nine? I was telling you before that my son, we think he's a six and my daughter is definitely a nine, like your husband's strong nine. So I noticed a lot of fun competitions between them, but they're the best of friends. Is that you guys are totally different? Kind of. Well, I wouldn't say there's a lot of that competition, but I think there could be because we're not like he grew up in a family that played a lot of games and I didn't. And games are boring mm -hmm. to me because I just want to like, I'm like, why waste the effort? Like there's more in life to like, like I want to move on to the next thing. And yes. <laughs> it's a weird thing. I think I could have 
um, been groomed as an early child to enjoy games, but I just don't. So yeah, uh, seven we, win because I'm right there with you. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like on to the next. So what we do have our like what we love to do is like in the car we'll have a state. You know, we'll be listening to songs that are from like the '90s or whenever we were in high school, and be like, "What year was this?" And like try and like cover the screen up so you can't see, and try to do that. And we'll um, we have fun with you know, a little That's fun. Stuff, but, oh. but yeah, not not tons of competition competition, but, um, just lots of fun. Like he's really, he's our, the family fun ambassador and it just really, um, it gets me kind of out of my own like seriousness and my own, um, work, you know, I'm not a workaholic, but I like to have very good work ethic and it'll be like, okay, I can set this aside for a minute and we can go and do this ran, you know, stay at this hotel. He got on points and go swim in that pool for this weekend to just get out of here. Or, you know, he's good at planning that kind of stuff and it's really good for me. Um, I always go with it when I feel like my um, instinct is to resist and be like, we've got too much to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I've learned to kind of trust that, that, you know, we need to have this fun and, and I let him take the reins with that and he and I have gotten a lot better about kind of following his lead there and just creates for a lot of a lot of fun and laughter and good times to kind of balance out the the regular stuff in life that's not always so light and fun. And you're making a great point there when you say all that in terms of how your marriage can really bless you to go move in different places than you've ever moved before. And I think you're saying it's just not my natural personality proclivity to do these kinds of spontaneous events. And he healthily helps me to make decisions and pushes me. And that's the things I've learned most about six is when they have a loving partner in their lives to say, I'm watching you troubleshoot and plan for things, but you might never make a decision. Sometimes they healthily push you and then you get to live. And that's really part of where your courage comes from is having a loyal base of people or a person to say, I believe in you. Let's do this. Oh man. Yeah. I couldn't have said that better. It is true. It's just, I think having him as my foundation is what Mm -hmm. propelled me to, to do those kinds of things and set these fears aside and to live. Like you said, that's, that's just the best way to put it. I can, I can live a full life because I've got that sense of security in place. Mm, And I'm so glad you resonate with that because those are the very things that irritate us sometimes too about our spouses. Like, why are you making me move outside of my comfort zone? (laughs) And it's like, because it's good for you and you're going to have access to more life. And so I love that you're trying to be courageous and let him influence you in that way. And to anyone who is unmarried and scared to get married, that is a great virtue of marriage is it can heal some of our wounds, our insecurities, our fears. Does it take care of all of them? No. As Lindsay said, she's had to do her own work, continues to do her own work, but she can also credit her husband with bringing a lot of peace and joy into her life. And I just love that for you. And of course you have to wait for the right person, but marriage can be a great healer. And I think it's okay to say that. So I'm glad you did. I also wanted to ask you a little bit about just fear in general, because I noticed one of the first things that brought me to Lindsay, and I'm going to have her share her info more, but she's at Instagram, your pharmacist, was the way that she talks so eloquently about the fight or flight and the cortisol levels and how to handle fear and trauma. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. And I know that was a mouthful. So maybe even just a piece of that. Yeah, of course. So, you know, as a person fascinated by 
any sort of medical science, biochemistry, and as a person who's long suffered from chronic stress and anxiety, do know a little bit about the fight or flight response. So basically, what happens when you're stressed, for whatever reason, your body releases the hormone cortisol. Um, this is what initiates the fight or flight response. So then um, your heart rate will increase, your blood sugar increases, your digestion will slow down, and a lot of a lot of um, things like this will happen, which is all fine and good if you're like a primal animal about to be attacked by a predator or something so that you can be equipped to perform in this situation and, and save your life. Um, but this isn't great when you're just a human who has stress because of their to-do list or an unhealthy relationship or something like that. So a little stress is good and necessary because it can help us perform better in important situations. But the kind of stress that happens day in and day out can actually down the road lead to some serious health consequences. Um, so what I've tried to do for myself, knowing that this is happening in me a lot, I've learned that the best thing you can do is just to reject the go, go, go lifestyle that's such a societal norm these days. Um, making time for like gentle exercise, getting outdoors, connecting with friends and family, um, and mindfulness. It doesn't have to be like 30 minutes of meditation because that can be overwhelming for a lot of people, but even some simple gratitude journaling. All those things do a lot um, for stress relief. And it's a major lifestyle change to kind of start to factor all that in and to slow down a little bit. You feel like you're going to miss out on something or you're just not going to be, be your best, but you really then start to understand that like when I'm stressed like this, I'm not my best and I'm not performing my highest. Taking this time to, to get healthier um, is really is what gonna, what's going to make me perform at my peak. So that's where I am. And, and just like everything else we've discussed, I'm not perfect with this. I still get stressed <laughs> a lot. Um, I still have trouble sleeping, but it's just helpful to take that first step. And it's a, it's, it's baby steps, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I've got a long ways to go and, and to, to fit, you know, fit all these important things, stress relief, self-care type things into my day and, and make this um, a real priority in, in my everyday. But it's really helped me a lot to kind of reframe things and creating time to relax and slow down. I've had to learn that that is what's going to make me the most efficient, best, you know, person that I can be. Oh, wow. That makes so much sense. So Slowing down has been a huge factor for you as a six, even with all your medical knowledge about, like you said, it could be that you're even shoving too much self-care in because you're like, I need 30 minutes of meditation and I need to do this and that workout. And you're mainly saying, yes, self-care is important, even a few minutes in each thing, but bigger than that is not letting your body think you're always in fight mode. Is that sort of how it works? Yes, exactly. Because then it's like, well, I, I know the exercise is good for me. And so I add that to my to-do list. Well, now my to-do list just got longer. So you got to, you got to come about it, you know, from the, the right angle. But um, it's just kind of like knowing when to shut off for the day, knowing when to take breaks and what you're going to do with that time when you take a break to, you know, maybe it's just a few deep breaths and that's fine, but it's just um, keeping it at the forefront of your mind that this needs to be a priority to relax, to slow down, to turn off when you um, when it's time to turn things off and it's it's a journey but um, it's something that you can like anything else when you learn more about it and you continue to grow it just starts to come more naturally 
Oh, wow, that's fantastic. So you have found that naturally speaking, even if people are like, I don't know exactly what to do, that as people grow, they start to really learn a lot of this for themselves because they do hit that wall and then they realize what I was doing before is no longer working. So really, you're just saying that with all of what you've already learned in the past, you're putting that together now to slow yourself down and to come to this understanding that if we take our time and trust ourselves to grow and learn over the years, and of course, allow our spouses in, some of this will naturally come our way anyway. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. You just have to create that room for growth. Um, don't expect perfection right away. Don't expect major change right away. But it's just, I think the awareness is the, the first step and the patience to get to where you need to be while you work to chip away at these things is what it takes to see full healing. And I've, I haven't reached that place yet. I'm still chipping away myself, but finding the awareness, creating the mental space for it is, is really so important. Mm, and I love how you've shared too, that when you do this, it helps with such a variety of issues. It seems like all the body's systems are improved when you get self-care and you work on just noticing things in your body and saying, I have to slow it down. I can't go too fast. And would you say that's true that a lot of different systems become healthier when you do that? Oh, I would say a hundred percent because it's really, the body is all interconnected. So what um, you do to take care of your stress response and your cortisol will help your hormonal balance, which, you know, so if your endocrine system is healthier, it'll help your circulation. It'll help every major organ system. It's, it's all, um, your body is, is not, um, can't be isolated into just, oh no, my kidneys are unhealthy. Let's take a pill for our kidneys. It's, you got to address all of this. And if stress is, you know, the major, major thing causing a problem in your life, then addressing that will certainly make everything overall much, much healthier. And you can do all you can do with nutrition, exercise, but slowing down and prioritizing relaxation are every bit as part of it for healing the trauma. I love learning that from you. And would you say to people who are just hyper-focused, kind of, I'm probably speaking to some of the sevens out there, but six-wing sevens or others who are like, I do get hyper, I do a lot in my day, do you think that they too have hope to slow down? Have you found that even with yourself being having a lot of energy that you've found ways to that? Oh, absolutely. The slowing down and the need for mindfulness is very individual. So certain people thrive on the, you know, fitting a ton of things into the day. But if that's coming in the way of good sleep or it's causing your relationships to suffer or if it's causing any amount of stress, then it's not healthy. But if it truly is just kind of the way you go through life and it's not stress, it's not causing stress, it's not causing you to lose sleep, it's not causing you to ruminate on things, then, then it could be fine. So it's, it's certainly very dependent on the person. I didn't even know what you would answer to that. That was not a scripted question I gave her. I'm sorry about that because I know that sixes are probably like, no, no, give her a scripted question. But I really love your answer because I really genuinely, that one just came to me too, is what about those of us who do have a lot of gusto? And of course, I've talked a lot about how we have to come down and not stay up all the time just for health. And I know that's one of the biggest things for some of us is 
not overdoing. So it's part of a lot of our growth paths anyway. But you're also saying some people have more energy. We could say type twos or type eights, for instance, have a little more. So do they have to slow down if they're thriving? And you're saying no. But what are a couple of ways that people might notice if they are going too fast? Is there anything that you've noticed for, for people that you've worked with or yourself where you're like, this is a good cue? Yeah. Um, I, for me, the biggest thing is sleep. When I, you know, if I go to bed at night and I can't seem to turn my mind off um, and I can't fall asleep or stay asleep, then I know I've been pushing it too hard and I got to pull the throttle back and make more time to relax. Um, I think when, if you really think about it and the reason you're staying so busy is to um, draw yourself away from facing um, other sort of emotions or other problems in your life just as a distraction, then you need to pull back and sit with those thoughts and really um, take some time to be quiet so you can work through that because staying busy, I think, is a really common form of distraction for people who don't want to, um, I don't know, work on being their best selves for whatever that may mean and working on relationships, um, dealing with past trauma and healing and, um, you know, sitting with emotions. So that's another big one and another good reason to slow down. And I know some people thrive on, um, you know, with all the energy they have and they can do a lot of good with it. And that can work for a lot of the day. But I really do, even for the twos and the eights, I think there can be a lot of good from carving out time to slow down just in case that they aren't realizing uh, what they're missing out by not living in the present moment and not being kind of more mindful of, of what's going on around them. That makes sense that even the ones that are fast processing, even if it's not affecting them physically or health wise, we don't want them to get too busy either to stop and they really also need to stop and notice. And do you think that that all directly correlates sometimes with when we do get fearful or people who have panic attacks? Do you think sometimes, like you said, sleep is the biggest piece in many ways for many of us, but do you think sometimes it comes because we're just so busy that we find our bodies at reacting with fear? Yes, um, I do think so. You just get overloaded with it all and you're not processing and working through a lot of issues because you're running off to the next thing and it just can bubble up all at once. There's a major anxiety, panic attacks is rooted in fear kind of more than anything else. It's, it's such a major component. So it's best to just face that, face whatever might be causing you fear and work through it. Take the time to slow down to do that so that you can be healthier overall and not paralyzed by panic attacks and worry and stress throughout your whole day. Yeah, that makes sense. And people think there's so many things they need to do to get rid of a panic attack. And it's also reminding me a lot of it is just slowing down and it's not doing more. It's doing less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Oh my gosh. Well, that's so cool to hear and to learn that right from you. And yes, we do really admire you. We're so appreciative just that you're using your medical knowledge and your six knowledge to help everybody here to truly slow down, to prioritize sleep and shutting things off, to understand that their body works systemically. And I would add like you to be courageous, even when you do find yourself at a place where you don't know what to do at this unexpected crossroads because you've really been blessed by that, it sounds like. Yes, I sure have. And it's been a period of great growth and encouraged because it's taken a lot of discomfort to, to get here. But I'm just 
really thankful for this opportunity to speak with you and do what I do so that I can hopefully use what I've learned to help other people. And I love your organized posts. Notice I say organized because mine are not always organized. <laughs> so when I see somebody with opposite gifts for me, I'm like, yeah, this is so <laughs> calming. So I think that that's one of the things I want to do is point people to your exact Instagram handle because I didn't give them the exact details of it. Do you think you could give those to us? Yeah. Your pharmacist is your.farm, P-H-A-R-M dot assist, A-S-S-I-S-T. That's where you can find me on Instagram. And then my website is linked there in the bio and it's your pharmacist and that's your farm dash A-S-S-I-S-T dot com. Oh, good. I'm so glad because you guys truly need to check out her information so that you can understand the biology and she's fun. She's not somebody who's like, I'm going to give you a biology lecture. Her posts are beautiful as I would expect from a six and organized, like I said, and creative. So I just see you using so many of your five, six and seven gifts. And thank you for sharing with us about how your nine is blessing your life so much too. You bet. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thanks guys for listening. Check Lindsay out and we will talk to you later. Bye, Krista. Bye.